Take your Bibles, please, this morning. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 11. Here's where we're going to be in just a little bit. I want you to find Romans chapter 11, and we'll be looking at verses 16 and 17, and keep your place there. So when you got that, say, I got it. All right, when you have Romans 11, get you a marker there and go over to 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to look at three or four verses there in just a moment. Today, I'm going to begin a new sermon series entitled, The Power of the Gospel. Now, I still believe the message of the gospel, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is what changes hearts and changes lives. It's what's changed my life. It's what can change your life. It's what is changing my life as I continually apply the truth of God's word to myself. And so what God has done for me and is doing for me, he can do for anybody. And so the power of the gospel is real and it's ready to do what's necessary in your life to make a difference in you, in your family, in everything about you. That's what the gospel does. It changes us to become more like Christ. Now before we get started, let's define our terms. When I say the gospel, what am I speaking of? Because I think today there's a whole lot of different definitions on what the gospel actually is. The word gospel in the Greek is the word evangelio, and it actually means the good news. And that's what the gospel is. It's the good news, the message of who Christ is and what he's done for us. The gospel is the message of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect birth, the perfect life, the sacrificial death and the victorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus is what we find in the message of the gospel. Now, Paul outlined for us the gospel. I, I call it this verse, this passage, uh, the gospel in a nutshell, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Let's read that together. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved. So according to Paul, how are we saved? By the preaching of the gospel, absolutely. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus died as the sacrificial death for your sin and for my sin for the sins of the world, verse 4, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Praise God, you're not the only one. There were some eyewitnesses that actually saw Jesus after the crucifixion, after he had been resurrected. Verse number 5 says, and he was seen of Cephas, which was Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So what's the gospel message? The message is of the finished work of Jesus, his sacrificial death, yes, but also his victorious resurrection. This is the gospel message that's still changing hearts and changing lives. Now over the next four weeks, I'm going to be giving you uh, four different messages on what the gospel has done for us and what the gospel is doing for us if we have believed. Now, if you've not yet believed, today's the day. Amen. You can believe. You can be changed. You can be born again into God's family. You can be made partakers of God's promises. And we'll look at that in just a minute. 
I'm going to give you four messages over the next four weeks. First of all, we're going to talk about the grafting of God's people. We're going to talk about the growing of God's people. We're going to talk about the going of God's people. And then we're going to talk about the giving of God's people. Grafting, growing, going, and giving. The people of God, the gospel message, how it has impacted us, how it does impact our lives. Now, let me, you got to understand this before we go any further. I want you to know that all of the message of the gospel and the benefits that come to the believers who place their faith in the truth of who Christ is. Listen, all of that comes to us by way of God's amazing grace. See, you can't earn salvation. You don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve salvation. It's not about our ability. It's about His love for us and the grace that's been shown to us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I say grace, I mean God's unmerited favor toward you and me. And the gospel and the benefits thereof come to us by way of God's amazing grace that's been given to us as a gift. You need to get a hold of that. So today, we're going to be, the title of this message is Grafted in by Grace. Grafted in by Grace. Look there, in Romans chapter number 11, starting in verse number 16, Paul teaches us something in two verses I want us to see. He says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. Now watch this. And if some of the branches be broken off, if thou being a Wild olive tree. Everybody say wild olive tree. That's you and I. We'll see that in just a moment. Listen to what he says. When uh, the wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I want to thank you for the message that you've given me. Lord, I'm thankful that you've been with me in my time of preparation. And Lord, now I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be with me in this time of presentation. I want to thank you, Lord, for meeting with us this morning. I don't want this message to be about my ability, but Lord, about your power. I want you to speak to me and speak through me. Give me your words to your people. These folks need not hear what I have to say. They need to hear what thus says the Lord, because that's what changes hearts. That's what changes lives. That's what edifies the brethren. That's what encourages those who need it encouraging. So Lord, if this message needs to be convicting to some hearts, convict some hearts. If this message needs to be an encouragement to some people, encourage those who need encouraging. Lord, edify those who need edifying. Whatever is needed today, we know by your power, your truth, your word, it is able to be accomplished. So Lord, we're asking that you would do your work among your people in this place by your power. And for these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The grafting in of God's people. The Apostle Paul uses the grafting in of an olive branch to describe for us two groups of people. This morning in this message, I'm going to talk to you about three main points. The result of the grafting, the reason for the grafting, and the reality of the grafting. Now, if we're first of all going to see the result of the grafting in of God's people, we got to answer two questions. First of all, we need to identify the two trees that's being given here. Paul tells us a story of two trees, and these two trees, represent two different people groups. He talk, talks to us, first of all, about the original, cultivated, domesticated olive tree. He mentions that in verse number 16 of Romans chapter 11. He says, calls them the first fruit 
uh, the olive plant of the first fruit, if you remember us reading that. Now, who is he speaking about there? I believe he's speaking about none other than the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, God's original chosen people. And I say that not only because it says it in Romans chapter 11, but it says it throughout the Scripture, throughout the Word of God, all the way back in the Old Testament. Brothers, if you will, please, put for me on the screen Jeremiah 11, verses 16 through 17. Let's flip over there, if you choose, and look with me there what Jeremiah said concerning the nation of Israel. God told Jeremiah his prophet to preach a message of judgment. The people of God, the nation of Israel, had turned their back on God in disobedience, were going their own way and worshiping false idols, false gods. And God told Jeremiah, because of their disobedience, I'm going to sing judgment their way. Listen how Jeremiah puts it in verse 16 of Jeremiah chapter 11. The Lord called thy name a green olive tree, fair and of a goodly fruit. With the noise of a great tumult, he hath kindled fire upon it, and the branches of it are broken. For the Lord of hosts that planted thee hath pronounced evil against thee for the evil of the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense to Baal. These people were worshiping Baal, a false god. These people were, were to be separated and holy, a people used for the purpose of God. When they chose to disobey the Lord, judgment came their way. If you believe it, say amen. So God says through a message of judgment that the nation of Israel, the original olive tree, would be judged. But that's not the end. If you go from there over to the book of Hosea, I'm going to read for you there, Hosea chapter 14, verses 4 through 6. Listen what God says to his prophet Hosea. He says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. So again, here in Hosea, he reminds us that the nation of Israel is called the olive tree by God himself. One of the messages in Jeremiah was a message of judgment because of the disobedience of God's people. But in Hosea, we have a message of justification of God's chosen people being made right once again before the God who loves them. So I want you to know that God is not through with the nation Israel. Can you say amen? He has judged them, I believe, to a certain extent. They're in judgment right now. But there's coming a day when they will be justified, I believe, in the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, the first olive tree, the original olive tree, the cultivated and domesticated olive tree is the nation of Israel. It's the tree of faith that was planted all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. How was it planted? You remember the story. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 that God came to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I want you to get out, Abram, I want you to get out from your father's house, all that you know to be normal, and I want you to go into a land that I'm going to show you. He said, I'm going to make your people a great people. Your people will be as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the heavens. He says, Abraham, from your, from your people, from uh, your children, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And the Bible says Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. Listen to me now. And God has done with Abraham exactly what he promised to do through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it was through the Jewish nation that God sent Jesus to be a blessing to all mankind. If you believe it, say amen. 
So God's promise to Abraham is still true today. God always keeps his promises even though it was made about 6,000 years ago. That tree of faith was planted when Abraham believed. When Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. It's a tree of faith that he speaks of, that first tree. Now listen to me. I've heard a lot of people ask me, Brother Israel, how did people in the Old Testament get saved? How did Abraham get saved? How did David get saved? How did Daniel get saved? How did these great men and women of God throughout the Old Testament, how did they get saved? I'm going to tell you, they got saved the same way you get saved. The same way I get saved. The same way anybody gets saved. They got saved through faith. Now, what, how, did, how was that possible, seeing that Jesus had not come yet? Well, they got saved by faith, listen to me, looking forward to the future work of Christ. The same is true for us, it's a little bit different. We get saved by looking back at the finished work of Christ. But it all, it's all about Jesus. It's all about placing your faith in the promise of God to do for men what men can't do for themselves. And that's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus has done. Praise the Lord. So this tree that he speaks of, this original Cultivated, domesticated tree, the nation of Israel, it was a tree of faith. Now, if you're going to be a part of a tree of faith, you've got to believe. Amen. Look, look with me there in Romans chapter 11. Watch. There were some of the nation of Israel who did not believe. And the Bible says in verse number 20, it was because of their unbelief they were broken off. They, they, they listened to me now, forfeited the promises of God in their life. They did not realize a personal relationship with a God who loved them, even though they were physically born of the seed of Abraham. Listen, they were not people of faith. They were not the true children of Abraham. Jesus spoke about them in John chapter 8. He said in John chapter 8 that Abraham was their father physically, but their father, they, Abraham or God was not their father spiritually. That they were actually, the, the, their father was Satan. Do you remember that? John chapter 8, verse number 44. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, this tree of faith, you can only be a part of it if you believe in who God is and what God has said. That's how it's made possible. So the original tree, we identify them as the nation of Israel. According to the word of God, Jeremiah, Hosea, and in Romans. Who is this wild olive tree that's being mentioned? The Bible speaks in Romans chapter 11. Put that on the screen for me, brothers, if you will, please. Romans chapter 11 and verse number 17. Look again what he says. He says this, some of them have been broken off. How were they broken off? Why were they broken off? Because of unbelief. Because of a lack of faith. But he said, and thou being a wild olive tree, you were grafted in among them. This is an amazing truth. He said those that were broken off because of a lack of faith... Their spots were taken, listen to me now, because of those who placed their faith in Jesus. This wild olive tree that's being spoken of here is the Gentile nations. See, when it comes to God physically speaking, there's only two types of people. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. Amen? Either you're born of Abraham or you're not born of Abraham. We were not born of Abraham. We are Gentiles. By physically, phys and through the physical, we are Gentiles. Amen? But now listen to me. 
The Bible says that we can be grafted in to the tree of faith if we'll only believe. That means we can be made partakers of the promise that God has made all throughout the centuries. Ever since the tree was planted in Genesis chapter 12. Isn't this amazing? Praise God for that. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.21 that all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. We as the people of faith who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, we can claim God's promises. Why? Because we are the true children of Abraham. We are the children of faith. We have been grafted in. You see, the gospel came to the Jew first. Matter of fact, the Bible says in John chapter number 1 and verse number 5 that Jesus came into the world as the light of the world and the darkness comprehended it not. Then it says in John 1.10, He was in the world and the world was made by Him, but the world knew Him not. Amen? He came to the Jew first. But when the Jew rejected Him, when His own people rejected Him, then He made the gospel available to the Gentile. Romans 1.16, let's read that. Romans 1.16, write that down, put a star by it, underline it, do something. Man, this is a powerful verse that we all need to get a hold of as believers. Watch what it says. Romans 1, verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that what? How are we saved? By trusting in Jesus. Uh, now listen to me. I want you to get a hold of something. Do you know there's a difference and biblical believing and the idea of believing today, the word believe there actually means to trust. Do you know that you can believe there is a God and still not be saved? You can have a head knowledge of who Jesus is and still not know Him personally? See, we can all understand and know that there was a God. There is a God. There was a Jesus. There is a Jesus. We can all know that with a head knowledge, but if you've not trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and know Him personally, you've not been born again into God's family. It's kind of like this. Believing is me knowing the chair is here. I believe it. I see evidence of it. It's right there before my eyes. And a lot of people today, they believe there is a God because they can't deny the evidence. If you look at the natural world, it takes a complete moron, a fool, not to believe in a creator God. When you see the complexity of the world that we live in, when you see the uniform nature of the world we live in, when you see the plan that's been carried out and is still being carried out by a creative mind, you cannot honestly deny that there is a creator. You can't. So a lot of people believe there is a God. And that's good. I think you're halfway there. But now listen. Believing just because you see evidence is different than trusting in that God to save you. Me seeing the chair, seeing evidence of it, that brings about belief. This is saving faith. Saving faith is me trusting in Jesus to do for me what I can't do. To hold me up before a holy God, just like I'm trusting in this chair to hold me up from falling in this floor. See, one day when I stand before God and God asks me why He should let me into His kingdom, listen, my only reply is going to be, listen to me, folks, I've trusted in Christ 
as my personal Savior. I've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. Amen? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Not the goodness of my hands. It's not about who I am or what I've done by my ability. Listen, it's about who he is and what he's done for me. So I trust fully in the finished work of Christ. And listen to me now. It's the power of God and the salvation to those that believe, to those who trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Watch what it says, though. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. What's he saying in that verse? The gospel came to the Jew first. The Jews rejected Jesus. Matter of fact, they put him on a cross. <laughs> Amen? The light came and they comprehended it not. He was in the world. The world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came to his own and his own received him not. It came to the Jew first, but praise God, then it came to the Gentile. It came to you and it came to me. I'm thankful for it. So the result of the grafting, if we're really going to get a hold of it, we've got to identify these two trees, the Jew and the Gentile. But also, we need to see the implications of the grafting. What, what are the implications of the grafting? Well, according to Romans eleven seventeen, it's twofold. Listen to what it says. Then when we were grafted in among them, with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Everybody say root and fatness. Root and fatness. So the Bible says the implications of us being grafted in is that now we are made partakers of the root and we are made partakers of the fatness. What does this mean? What in the world is he speaking of? Well, when we're talking about a tree, and that's the example that Paul is using here, how many of you know stability and strength comes from the root? I remember years ago, I planted in my yard some Bradford pear trees, about four of them, down my, uh, the, in front of my house there in front of the road where I live. And, um, man, those things, all of, they started growing, and I think those are the fastest growing trees I've ever seen in my life. They bushed out real quick, and, man, the leaves were so green and pretty. And I just planted them, um, I don't know, first of spring, and they actually bloomed and put on flowers that first spring that I'd planted them there. It was amazing. They grew that fast, and they got real big real fast. But let me tell you what happened the first good, uh, strong wind that came through. And it really wasn't that strong of a wind. I mean, it didn't hurt anything else. I walked out in my yard after a little thunderstorm and blew through one evening, and, and I saw that two of those Bradford prayer trees that looked so pretty, that was bushed out so big in the top, had blown over, and I had to replant them. Let me tell you why that tree blew over. That tree blew over because it did not have stability and strength that was given to it by its roots. It didn't have it. Why? Because it didn't have a good root system. They just had a really, really small root ball on it. And when the winds came and uh, the storm blew in, man, it blew those trees right over, right in my front yard. I had to replant them. What does it mean that now we have been grafted in to the original tree that, that we partake of the root? Listen, our salvation is strong. 
Our salvation is secure. We can be stable in our faith for our faith is based on the root which is the Lord Jesus. Our faith is based upon the foundation of the, of the, of the prophets, the scriptures that were given all throughout the word of God. Our faith is based upon the right root. Now listen to me. Jesus said it like this. He said, you'll know a false prophet that if they bear good fruit, from, they're from a good tree. If they bear bad fruit, they're from a bad tree. Well, let me tell you something. How many of you know that if you've got the right root, you will bear the right fruit? Whew. I'm thankful this morning. I, can, I know I am secure. I know I can be stable. I know I can be strong. Not because of who I am as a branch, but because of who Jesus is as the root. I'm rooted in Him. And if you've placed your faith in Christ, you've been rooted in Him as well. Now, let, let me, I want you to get the picture of this physically. What does to be grafted in, what does that actually mean? That means that you would take a good tree. And if a branch has been broken off or if you break off a branch, you could then take a branch from another tree that's been broken off. Put it in the place of where you broke off the first branch from the first tree, the original tree. Tie it up real good. Tape it up around that branch so that it can't move. Get it on there strong and secure and sure. And let me tell you what will happen. The nourishment that flows from the root of the original tree will flow through that branch. And listen to me now. This happens a whole lot uh, when uh, farmers use this in fruit trees. That branch that was grafted on will actually bear fruit from the root of the tree that it did not belong to in the first place. What's this mean for us? Well, that's what he's talking about when it says the fatness. We have strength and stability because of that root based upon Jesus, based upon the prophets, based upon the word of God. But we have also fatness that we partake of. That fatness speaks of the sap. Fatness speaks of nourishment. How many of you know without sap, a fruit tree can't bear fruit? An olive tree can't bear olives. Amen. That sap brings the nutrients from the root to the leaves and branches through the buds so that the tree might bear what it's supposed to bear. But all of that comes through the root. Now what's the Bible saying to us? It's through the power of God, the presence of God, the person of the Holy Spirit now that lives in us that we receive just what we need so that we might bear fruit. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 15 that he is the vine and we are the branches. And if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. Why? Because all the world fruit is, is just the life of the vine being pressed out to the branch. It's the sap of the olive tree being bought from the root through the grafted in branch and bearing those sweet fruit that God had planned all along. Amen? Are you getting this? The implications of the result of the grafting is that our salvation is secure, our salvation is strong, our salvation is stable because it's founded with the right root. That tree was planted 
all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, and it's still alive today. We are made partakers of it because of the work of Jesus. That's the result of the grafting, but now let me give you something else. I also want you to see very quickly the reason for the grafting. The best commentary on the Word of God is what? Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse number 1, Ephesians 2 and 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says, when in time past, he's looking to the past now, he says, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience. So what Paul is saying to the believers here at the church at Ephesus, he says, there was a time in your past when you walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to the power of the prince of the, uh, the, the according to the prince of the power of the air. You walked in a way that was disobedient to the Lord. I know what he's talking about. That's where I used to be pre-Jesus. Before I met Christ, I was dead in trespasses and sins. And if you're here this morning and you've not yet believed in Christ, you're not trusting in him fully for the forgiveness of your sin. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how many churches you've been a member of. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. If you've not yet trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, you are still dead in trespasses and sins. He says, verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past, and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were under God's wrath apart from Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you've not yet been saved, you are still under God's wrath. Now let me tell you something. If there's one person that I don't want to be on the bad side of, it's the God who spoke and creation came into existence. The God who spoke and the sun and the moon and the stars came into being. If that God is that powerful, I don't want to be on his bad side. But in my sin and in your sin, the Bible says we are under his wrath. We are God's enemy. We're dead and God's enemy. Wow. That is a hopeless, helpless state, isn't it? Verse 4. But God. When the Lord lets me, I've got a series of messages on but gods in the Bible. Man. Dr. Dr. Tony Evans said something once upon a time that I love. He said, anytime you see but God, it negates everything that's been said previously. I love that. So we were dead in trespassing sins. We were by nature children of wrath. We were walking according to the course of this world, doing the things that were disobedient unto the Lord. We were going our own way, doing our own thing, not thinking about God. We were hopeless and helpless without Jesus. But God. Who is rich in mercy. What does it mean to be rich? More than enough, amen. If, you, if you're rich, uh, financially speaking, what's that mean? You've got, more enough, you got enough money to go around. You have an abundance of funds. Now, the same is true if you're rich in mercy. What the Bible is saying, but God who is rich in mercy has an abundance of mercy, more than enough to go around. He's got enough mercy for me. He's got enough mercy for you, sister. He's got enough mercy for you. He's got enough mercy for you and you and you and you and you. And all who believe, he's got enough mercy. 
Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. The truth is, because of my sinfulness, because of my disobedience, because I am a child of wrath, I deserve a devil's hell because God is holy and he has to judge sin. But I want you to know, he has enough mercy to go around. And when I believed on him, by his grace, because of his love, because of his mercy, he saved me. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. He paints an even clearer picture of the reason for the grafting in verse number 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. That's the picture of where you were without Jesus. And if you're still without Jesus, that's where you are. You have no hope. You're without God in this world. That's a scary thing. then because God loved you he sent Jesus to be a light in the darkness first to the Jew then to the Gentile and watch what happens verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ <laughs> what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. There's no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you place your faith in Christ, the blood of Jesus is applied to your heart and life by faith. Remember, this is a tree of faith we're talking about we're being grafted into. And your sins are forgiven. Now watch. This is amazing. He says then, verse 14, for he is our peace. Praise God. Let me, let me tell you what some of y'all's problems is. And I know because I used to be the same way. Your problem is a lack of peace. And you know it deep down on the inside. Your problem is a lack of peace. You, 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 you don't have peace for living and you sure don't have peace for dying. There's no peace. Listen, He, Jesus, is our peace. You cannot know peace until you know Him. For He is our peace and hath made both one. What, what are the both one? What's He talking about? He's talking about the two people groups, He's talking about the two trees. He's made both one, He's made the original tree. The cultivated, domesticated tree, the olive tree that he spoke of in Romans eleven sixteen, the Jewish people, he's made the Jews and the Gentiles one. How? Watch what he says. Hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So when God now sees us, listen, he just sees us as the people of faith. Why? Because we've been grafted into this faith tree. Amen. Now we're made partakers of the promise. That's the reason for this grafting. But now let me ask you this. I also want you to know the reality of the grafting. Is it real to you? 
Are you stable and secure in Jesus? Are you receiving the nourishment through the power and presence of God so that you might bear fruit of a child of God? Has God made a difference on the inside that makes a difference on the outside? Is, is it real for you? Put everybody else out of your mind this morning. Put your husband, your wife, your kids out of your mind, whoever it might be, mama, papa, everybody. You, don't think about nobody else. Where are you at with Jesus? Is, there, is he real to you? Have you trusted in him truly for the forgiveness of sin? The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. You can't save yourself. You can't be good enough. Jesus was however good enough for you. He paid the penalty for your sins so that you might go free. And now you can receive this free gift of salvation by placing your faith in Him and what He's done. Amen? Is it real for you? Do you know that you've been grafted in? If not, today's the day. Brother, come on up. Stand together, please. I remember years ago I was listening to uh, Adrian Rogers. He said something that I've never forgotten, never will forget. He said that most people are going to go to hell and miss heaven by about 18 inches. He said, that's the difference, that's the distance between your head and your heart. He said, there's a lot of people who have a head knowledge of who Jesus is. Yeah, they know that, they know the facts and figures about him that he came. He was born of a virgin, they know that. They know that he'd done all these miracles while he walked upon this earth. I mean, they've been taught that stuff, they've heard that stuff. They even know that he went and died on a cross, and they know that to be true. They have that head knowledge, but they've not yet trusted in him personally as Savior. They don't have that heart knowledge. Now, I don't know where you're at, but I'm preaching this to you this morning because I've been there myself, having the head knowledge, but not the heart knowledge. Believing there was a Jesus, but not knowing him. And if you know that's you today, let me tell you what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to put down your pride because that's what it takes. Put down your pride and say, Lord, I need you. See, he's done everything necessary for you to be grafted in, to be made a partaker of the goodness of God. Quit worrying about what everybody else is going to say and think. Everybody else didn't die for you. He did. And I'm asking you today to make the decision to trust in Him. If you need the Lord this morning, won't you come?